You're listening to the Trinity Ministries podcast. For more information and to support our ministry, go to www.trinityhudson.org. The church is. The church is. (laughs) Oh gosh. That is a really big question. Church is a place of worship. The church is a house of worship. A place of worship? Yeah. A place where you can come to God and tell, like, you can get answers. Church is the house of God. That's good. Uh, my name is Alan. I, uh, I go to church for peace of mind, and uh, that's where God is at. The church is a community of people worshiping God. How could you take my answer? <laughs> Place to learn and worship. Struggling. Crooked. Oh, definitely not honest. Oh. Church is one of the centers of my life. Church is a temple? An establishment. Yeah. I'm Catholic, so okay. the Vatican? Yeah. Definitely a dishonest organization. Okay. And they could be using their money for a lot more better things than what they're doing. Um, boring. Church is something I haven't gone to in a long time. What you make of it? I don't know. It's just about God, I guess. Um, God? The church is a welcoming and friendly place. The church is joyful. Alive. The church is God's best hope for the world. A place where Jesus uh, is there and uh, salvation for the world. Church is wonderful. The church is a place where you expect peace. Uh, well, for me, I mean, religion plays an important part in my life. So the church is a peaceful place where I can go to to yeah to pray to feel peaceful. A place to worship, religious. A place to pray. A way of life. It's just a way to teach people how to live life. Holy, spiritual. Godly. I love the church. All right, that's all we need. Jesus lives. All right, thank you so much. In me, I hope. So if you were asked that question on a man on the street kind of thing like this was, what would you answer? What is the church? How would you finish that, that question? The church is, and then how would you finish what the question is? Well, it's interesting, and maybe you've seen maybe you would answer like many of these people answered up here, you know, the church is, um, and typically we answer it like this, the church is, and if you heard the main word really is a what? It's a place. That's what a lot of people believe in and talk about, that it's a place, and then they add, the church is a place where I go to fill in the blank, right? The church is a place where I go to worship. The church is a place where I go to find peace. The church is a place I go to see friends um, and all those kinds of things. And I wonder if somewhere along the way we got a little bit confused as to what the definition of a church is because in some sense it is all of this, but in a bigger, more profound and powerful sense, it's so much more. In fact, if you were to ask Jesus what the church was, I wonder how he would answer. 
In fact, actually, I know how he would answer. Uh, it wouldn't be uh, answering like this. He would answer it differently. His answer would not have the word place in it. His answer would not have the word I in it, a place where I. His answer would not have a fill-in-the-blank that has an action associated with it. His definition, definition would be a, a different, and in fact, over the next few weeks, we're going to answer, sort of answer that question, what is the church, um, and really restart uh, what we've been doing here at Trinity and hopefully restart our minds as to what the church is. And here's why this series is important for you. You may be sitting there going, well, I don't, I mean, I'm part of the church and isn't this a church leadership kind of thing? Um, but no, here's why this series is going to be really important for you. There's a fundamental prin principle in life that applies to all of us, whether you're part of a church, part of a business, um, part of a community organization, or even if you're just breathing, there's a general principle that we'll be talking about, and the principle is this. Happy people are selfless. Isn't that true? Happy people, in many ways, are selfless. Unhappy people are selfish. Happy people live for a deeper connection to a greater purpose. Unhappy people live for a shallow connection for, uh, to an internal plan. And I know that the purpose of the church is not to make people happy, uh, it is to honor and worship and serve God, correct? That's the purpose of a gathering. But the Holy Spirit byproduct of God's people connecting together for a greater purpose is happiness. It's joy. So why does this all connect to our series in our church? Because I believe that a church that um, creates fulfilled people is a church that is being who it's supposed to be. In fact, most studies show that people who are connected to a local body of believers rate their overall satisfaction with life higher than those people who are not connected to a spiritual body of believers. It's just stats. And I believe that when God infuses a group of people with His Holy Spirit and creates true kingdom culture, that that is the most exciting and the most fulfilling way to live. But there's a problem. And... The problem is that the church in America has been steadily declining over the last 20 years. Every, every year, more than 4,000 churches close their doors. 4,000 churches every year, compared to just over 1,000 new church starts. Every year, 2.7 million church members fall into inactivity. This translates into the realization that people are just, they're just leaving the church. Now, many of us church leaders, as we've been talking about this for years, sit around the table and try and figure out why the church is declining. We blame cultural dec decay. We blame changing values and that the average American view, doesn't view church as, um, as important anymore. Uh, these are authentic factors, but they're just symptoms of a disease. And a symptom is usually caused by a systematic disease or a, a psych, explicit psychological, or in other words, a mindset problem. And realistically, churches fail because we place our needs and desires over the Lord's. We just do. We place our needs and desires over the Lord's. Churches fail because we put our agendas above God's and we refuse to change if He's leading us to change. Churches fail, fail because, selfish, because of selfish pride and not humble servanthood. It's called 
kingdom drift. Do you like that word? Kingdom drift. And kingdom drift is in every church, no matter how healthy they are, no matter how unhealthy they are. Kingdom drift is in every part of every church. Andy Stanley writes this about this word drift. Um, Consider this. You've set sail somewhere, but you're off course by just one degree. Out of 360 degrees, you set sail and you're off course by just one degree. After one foot, you'll be off course by only two-tenths of an inch. Not a big deal. But check out what happens over time as you keep traveling. Over a, after 100 yards of sailing, you'll be off track by 5.2 feet. Still not a big deal, but it's no, and not really noticeable enough. But after a mile, you'll be off course by 92 feet. At this point, that little one degree is starting to make a difference. Now consider this, if you're traveling cross-country from San Francisco to Washington, D.C., and you're sailing, I don't know how that would happen, but if you're sailing across San to D.C., um, if you set sail one degree off course, you'd miss your destination by 42 miles. In a rocket ship, off course by one degree, you miss the moon by 4,169 miles, which is nearly twice the dynamer, dynam, diameter of the moon itself. Scooter White, who's part of our congregation, he's a, a pilot, he caught me in between services, and he says, that, those are true stats. He says, we're taught as pilots that if we're off one degree for every uh, 60 miles, or for every hour, you're off um, like 70 miles, just off, off kilter. So it's important, that one degree. That's the principle of being uh, adrift, being a little off course, multiplied over long periods of time mean you won't end up at your intended destination. And funny enough, this is the, the situation that Jesus came into the world I- into uh, in terms of the religious direction of the world. Over hundreds of years, these, the, the people started adding all these rituals and regulations and rules to what people had to do Uh, in order to win a relationship with God. Religious leaders had stepped in and created a system that valued the powerful and stepped on and over the less fortunate. In short, God's people over time had drifted way off course from who they were supposed to be. And if you look at Jesus' teaching, this is why Jesus talks so much about newness, newness of life, a new covenant, a new promise. He came to Bring us back on course. In fact, Jesus even told his disciples before he went to the cross that he was building his church on a kingdom culture. You may remember the conversation between he and and the disciples. Uh, Jesus came to to Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples, and he asked this question, "Just, just check in, who do people say that I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And then he made it personal, and he looked right at them right in the eye and says, yeah, great, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, kind of the spokesman of the group, he stands up and he says, well, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You are the one God had sent to save the world. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. We drift naturally. Coming back to kingdom culture is a God thing. Staying on course is a God-initiated thing. And Jesus continues, he says this, And I tell you that you are Peter, 
And on this rock I will build my church. Now, what he was talking about, some church denominations get this a little bit mixed up. He is not talking about building a church on a person named Peter. Um, there's a thing called apostolic su- succession where you're, if you're a relative and they trace your line down, then you are in the leadership of the church somehow and you're holier than everybody else. What Jesus is talking about, the, the rock that Jesus talks about isn't Peter, but it's the confession. It's us saying, God, you are God. Jesus, you are the Messiah. That's how Jesus says, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell, gates of Hades, will not overcome it. So after Jesus says this, has this conversation with, with the disciples, uh, history tells us that Jesus rose from the dead. Remember, we celebrated that yesterday? Or uh, not yesterday. I did. <laughs> Obviously, every day you should be celebrating. <laughs> uh, last week, Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, his disciples were really obviously very excited. They started telling people Pentecost happened and telling people in the streets and, uh, and uh, telling what, who Jesus is, what he did. They shared his, their experience with, with him. News about Jesus started to spread around the globe. And, and these groups of people that knew Jesus and believed started gathering together consistently. And these groups were first called Followers of the Way. Not Christians, but originally followers. Are you one of the followers of the way? And then eventually that morphed into this, this word Christians, which actually Christians was a, was a derogatory term by somebody else calling us Christians, saying, oh, look at those Christians. And that's how we got the name Christian. And we all started meeting together, sharing and loving and caring for each other. All these groups started meeting, and these, these Christians came together, and they formed churches. And these churches had impact, they had movement, they had multiplicity, they, had, they, had, they changed the culture, they changed the world. And New, the New Testament calls these groups this word, and, and we've talked about this before, um, the Greek word ekklesia, which is basically a people, not a place, but a people called out from the world to God. Okay? These groups, these ekklesias had a purpose to love each other, to love and to serve the world. But as soon as Jesus ascended and gave his Holy Spirit to guide and lead these little ecclesias, it happened. Kingdom drift right away. During this brief history of the New Testament church, they drifted, they wandered subconsciously from kingdom culture. How do we know? Well, look at the, the New Testament letters. Galatians, Ephesians, Rome, look at all of the New Testament letters. And it's always about getting back to the simplicity of Jesus as King. Jesus is Lord. He's, Jesus is God who died for the sins of the world. And every 70 to 100 years after that, the gathering of people, the ecclesia that were spread all over Europe and Asia fell away and mixed the truth of the gospel with other gods, other practices, other requirements, other than just living in the relationship that God had given them. Even the language of describing these kind of, these gatherings of Christians changed. And most significantly, the change was uh, in the, the meaning of the word church. You know how in the opening video they say the church is a place. Well, that actually came about in the mid-1500s or so, where the Germans started translating um, uh, translating the New Testament and Old Testament, obviously, but translating the Bible into the word. They didn't have a word for ecclesia, like a gathering. Um, and so it was translated this word, kirche, which in German basically means the place 
where the ecclesia Christians gathered. So over time, what was a simple movement became this place where people gathered. And if you have a place, if you've owned, ever owned a, bu- a building, you, need, you start to bring things together. You, you start to create boards. You start to create committees. You start to create programs and traditions which are designed in a good way to help people grow in their faith. But eventually that became the focus of what everybody did rather than the other way around. The movement of people who worshipped and gathered to figure out how to reach their communities became these hierarchical organizations. And rather than this beautiful organism called the body of Christ, it became an organization. Organism, organization. And when the organization holds back the organism, the organism will die or at least be ineffective. Anybody have shoes that have, you've ever outgrown and you try and wear them again? It hurts. Anybody remember Cruel Shoes, the song? I'm, I'm realizing how old I am over and over. I believe our American church culture is in a drift. And in some ways, I believe our church is in a drift. Now, don't hear me right. There are so many great things about our church. Anybody know that our church is a good church? Yeah, we have a great church. But there are signs of drift that we have in our church. It shows up when we're more concerned with complaining about our two campuses or, or about ministries or whatever than working together to impact our community. Kingdom drift happens when we are convinced God is moving us to an opportunity to reach more people, but we let the budget determine what God can or can't do. Kingdom drift happens when, in our church when we choose not to exercise the spiritual discipline, discipline of giving of our time, talents, and finances. Kingdom drift happens when we get offended when the preacher, preacher talks about giving of our time, talents, and finances. Happens when we tear down and we don't build up. When we complain and not compliment. And I don't know about you, um, I'm tired of complaining. Not only me personally, but of the complaining that, that is very small in our church, but it's there, and the gossiping. It's like a cancer that eventually spreads through a church. I don't know, hopefully you've never been in that kind of situation where you were in a church that you just loved in this group or this person or whatever it is, and it just turns ugly and people leave. It just is ugly. We're not there. But if you're realizing you're one of the complainers, stop it. Let God change you. It's better on the positive side. I want our church to stop drifting in certain ways. And again, we are doing so many great things. Pastor Jim coming on board, I'm super excited about that and what he's bringing to the ministry and uh, just all the, all the transitions we're in that are moving us forward. Our leadership teams, our board, our, our spiritual teams, our, and, and our staff, we're, we're starting to talk about this thing of how do we lift up the, the kingdom culture that's already within uh, our ministries. Kingdom culture is viewing our church not as a teaching station, but as a training station. Kingdom culture is found in people who serve others through all the different environments we have here. You know, Nate mentioned uh, We Do Feet. Um, We Do Feet isn't the ministry, but it's the environment through which people do ministry. Kingdom culture is is found when Jenny Fritz, 
from our West, West Campus had a Bible study and one of the members had a broken foot and couldn't come for several weeks. And so instead of having it in the walls of the church, she said, let's move it into Myrtle's house. And they did and took over her front room. That's kingdom culture. Kingdom, kingdom culture happens when our Saturday men's group and our Thursday's women's group learn about prayer and then they go and offer prayer to people in their workplaces throughout the week. Kingdom culture happens when we change our mindset from volunteering out of duty to serving out of a love for Christ. It's ecclesia. It's being a movement. I believe we're in a new beginning. I, I believe we're in this new season uh, in our church. Um, that we are at the beginning of taking steps to continue to lift up that beautiful kingdom culture that, that if you, you were to think about or, or what I pointed out, you're like, yep, kingdom culture, kingdom culture. To lift that up as the way God is leading us. You know that we have a good church, but we could be so much more. You know that too. And so here's what I want you to do as we step into this series um, over the next several weeks. Um, and specifically today, after this service, as you get in the car and, and you drive home or to lunch, process this question with your kids. What is it about Trinity that gets you really excited? What is it about our ministry? What is it about being here? You're here. What is it? Why are you here? What is it about being here that is good and praiseworthy? Ask your kids. Because as we start to talk about the things that God are do, is doing, that raises the kingdom culture and an excitement happens in our church that I think we're at the very beginning of, re, of, of, of realizing again. Lean into those things. Pray about those things. Pray about how you can step in and be a part of the movement. As we move forward into kind of this new season, um, it's going to take some sacrifice. It's going to take some work. It's going to take maybe doing things a little differently. But in all things, it's always seeking to honor God first and reaching the community for Jesus one life at a time. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to pray. Father, um, we realize that uh, this message as the first of the series is, more, is, is a little bit long on diagnosis and not necessarily on prescription, but as we step into this series, God, I just pray that all of us would be humble enough to, to uh, be able to see the wonderful things that you are doing in our midst and through us into the community, um, but also really call out those things, God, that are causing us to drift, causing us not to be able to move forward in, in certain areas of our ministry. Father, individually as families, God, uh, help us to um, ask those questions of, God, what do you want me to do? Or even more so, what do you want me to be as I meet with the ecclesia within the walls of the kircha? Father, thank you for this place that you started 100 plus years ago. And thank you for uh, all the ministries that are underneath our roof. May we all be honoring, first of all, to you. And may we all um, have that idea of being a light, a missional community here in the Hudson area and far beyond. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said.